Hello and welcome back. Come join me, Megan, and sit for a spell round the cauldron while we talk about witchcraft, polytheism, and the intersection of magic and mundane. I was feeling a bit uninspired this month, honestly, um, and at the last minute, I was inspired by the oak trees in my backyard, and I want to talk about my experience growing connections with the land around me as a spiritual person. For the month of February, there are some important dates, like I always want to mention. Um, we are currently in the middle of Mercury retrograde. Depending on when you're listening to this in February, Mercury retrograde ends on February 3rd, 2022, if you're listening way in the future. Uh, the dark moon for February is on February 1st, and the new moon is on February 2nd. For me, I split those up. The dark moon is when there is 0% illumination. The new moon is that first sliver, 1% or 2%, usually the day after the dark moon. This month's full moon is often called the snow moon, and it's on February 17th in my area. Of course, be sure to double-check the dates of these astrological events with your city or area, wherever you live, because that has a lot to do with peak times and when certain things will happen, so always double-check. It's also time for my patron shout-out. I see you, I love you, thank you so much for all of your support. If you join me on Patreon, you get access to all videos and podcasts and posts before they go live for everyone else. We're also still reading Braiding Sweetgrass for Book Club. Book? Oh, Book Club. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's been a day <laughs> as I record this. Uh, and it's still early. Anyway, we are still reading Braiding Sweetgrass for book club, and I know I've mentioned it in the last couple of podcast episodes, but it's a big, chunky book, and we're taking it slow. It's almost done, though. We only have a couple of chapters left, and we will be picking a new book soon. Um, but all the links for the ways that you can help support the show, Round the Cauldron, the podcast, the YouTube channel, all of that stuff, will be in the show notes. So as I said at the beginning... I was really uninspired. I've been feeling uninspired and I'm trying to find that inspiration again, the motivation to write, the motivation to talk about the things that I enjoy and not get stuck in this cycle of, you know, what does, what does my audience want? I have to provide everything that my audience wants, but that's not the whole reason I started doing this. Anyway, um, I have to talk about the things that I enjoy and the things that bring me happiness and the things that I'm actively doing because otherwise I'm doing a disservice to everybody listening if I'm not talking about things that inspire me or things that I find important. Anyway, um, so yes, talking about my experience growing connections with the land I live on um, and how that's really shaped my practice. So I want to start from the beginning. As a child, I, I didn't really have that connection to the land I lived on, to nature in general. You know, I don't really remember spending a lot of time outside in nature um, for that specific purpose. I mean, as a kid, I, ob I obviously did spend a lot of time outside because... I, I grew up in that period of time where it was like, go outside and play and don't come back home until the streetlights come on, you know, that type of thing. Um, but 
It was never really encouraged, I guess, to grow a connection to the land I lived on. And and I'm not surprised because that's not something that my parents were taught. That's not something that my grandparents were taught, you know? So I'm not surprised. But as a child, even though I enjoyed spending time outside, even though, you know, I liked the flowers and the trees and all of that stuff, it wasn't seen as a sentient Thing, a sentient being. It was just like, okay, you know, I'm outside now. Um, <laughs> there are stories, though, that my parents love to tell of me and bugs. And I was the little bug protector. And it's so funny to, to hear them talk about it whenever they talk about it, because I don't remember a lot of my childhood. I have a lot of uh, blacked out memories, I guess. There's like huge chunks of my childhood memory that are missing for one reason or another. But um, apparently I was the protector of bugs. And if anybody would squish a bug or kill a bug, I would get very upset. One thing I do remember is playing with roly-polies. And if you're not familiar with what a roly-poly is, it's this little, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It kind of looks like a miniature armadillo, but in a bug version, and it can roll up into a ball, and it has like an exoskeleton to protect it on the outside. They were everywhere when I was a kid, but that's like the extent of it. That's that's all I remember. And I think growing up in sort of an unstable household really... Um, lent itself to a feeling of disconnection with a lot of things, but with the land, for sure. I mean, you know, there were a lot of things that went on in my childhood. We moved a lot, or I feel like we moved a lot. Um, And there was never really one place that felt like a forever home until I was in college um, or like my last year of high school or something. And even then, like, it wasn't it still wasn't encouraged or even talked about to get to know the land I lived on. Growing up in California, it's like, you know, I know that's stolen land for sure, but I couldn't tell you off the top of my head the indigenous people that lived there before. I would definitely have to look it up. Whereas now where I am in Florida, I can tell you that... The indigenous people of my area are the Seminole. I believe I'm saying that correctly. And I'm doing my best now to educate myself on the indigenous peoples that lived here before, the land I live on, the connections, you know, what's in my soil, what's in my backyard even. But even after college, I still, I've lived in several different places I lived in Oklahoma for almost a year um, when I was like 19, and that was really chaotic. I ended up working two jobs and not really having a lot of time for much of anything. Um, I have lived in, you know, like I said, I was born in California, in in the Valley. That's funny. <laughs> That's a funny thing to say. Um, anyway. I've lived in Nevada, up in the, like, the high desert, up by Tahoe in, like, the Reno area. 
and I've lived in Oregon, which is where I was before I was in Florida, up in the high desert, uh, around the Bend area, and now I live in Florida, in the Tampa area. All of those places have very different lands and bioregions and, you know, ecological diversity. There's so, there's so many things that are different in those places. And moving around like that and not really feeling rooted myself, and I didn't feel connected. And that doesn't surprise me. You know, growing up in where I did in California, the winters were mild, I guess, now compared to where I have lived after that. Um, but the summers were excru- excruciating. Triple digits for months at a time, not getting below 90 degrees Fahrenheit, even in the middle of the night. You know, it was hot. And as an adult, I didn't really spend a lot of time outside because why the hell would I? <laughs> Why would I I suffer like that? Because, you know, having asthma and with it being so hot like that, you got to take extra precautions being out in the sun, of course. I had a garden when we lived on our own, but that was about it. And that took a lot of work because the apartment we lived in just... We were lucky to have a backyard for sure, but it was nothing but dirt and sand and... Like, growing a garden there took work because the ground was just depleted of any nutrients. Like, grass wouldn't even grow. It was ridiculous. I didn't even have weeds. When I lived in Oklahoma, that was the first time I had lived away from my hometown. And it was an interesting experience. I mean, even the experience of driving from California to Oklahoma was... One I will never forget, because while I was driving myself, I was by myself, it was just me and my dog, and I had never driven that long of a trip before, and so to drive and see the mountains and the plains and the rain that I ended up running into, it was a wondrous experience, even though I was exhausted because I was... 19 and I decided I was going to drive straight through for 25 hours because why not? Um, It was still a beautiful experience, but I never really felt connected to the area that I lived in in Oklahoma. And if I'm being honest, I didn't really try. I had so much going on that growing a connection to the land was the furthest thing from my mind. That was also the first time I experienced living in a place where it snowed and got cold enough to freeze the roads over. So that was fun. But, you know, after living in Oklahoma, I came back to California. It was a whole thing. Um, Got pregnant with my daughter. We stayed back in California again for a couple of years. And then we moved to Nevada. And again, that was another experience because it was like the summer climate was like where I lived in California, but the winter climate was something that I had not experienced before because where we lived was up in the mountains. Well, not really a mountain, but, you know, a higher elevation than the city where I had to drive into work. And it snowed and it got cold 
and we had a wood-burning stove. And But still, all of the... Like, my life has been so busy and so chaotic, and I'm only just now, at 30 years old, as a parent, uh, what am I trying to say? Mindfully taking the time to make sure I slow down to grow that connection with wherever I'm living. That was never really on my mind before. And since I didn't grow up having a sort of connection to the land that I'm on, it's been, honestly, it's been really hard. It's been really hard. And sometimes it feels like it's going to be impossible and that I'm never going to learn the climate of where I live and learn the names of the native plants and learn the names of the animals that are in the area. I mean, I've lived here in Florida now for almost two years. Granted, I moved in the middle of a pandemic and I haven't really been able to get out and do much. I mean, I've become sort of a homebody now, but I feel like personally, I have used that as an excuse. Like, oh, there's a pandemic. I can't do much. But I can get my happy ass out in my backyard. I can take pictures of the things that I see in my neighborhood and try to look them up and learn about them. But the problem is I always feel like I'm so busy. And so anytime that I'm not busy or actively doing something for the podcast or the channel or some other work-related stuff, I just, (laughs) I have a habit of just sitting here and spending too much time watching YouTube videos or, you know, I deleted TikTok because I would just spend too much time scrolling through TikTok, wasting time. And that's basic, that's, that's what it is for me. It's wasted time. Not that I have to be quote unquote productive, but I know there are better ways for me to be spending my time. And if I'm going to be mindful about growing the connections with the land that I live on, I have to take those distractions away from myself because they are definitely distractions. I know how my brain works and if I leave them there, I will use them. (laughs) So now that I live in Florida, as opposed to all of the other places that I've lived and I own a house now, or we all own a house. That's an interesting situation. Um, But this is my home. My name is on this house. My name is on the land that we live on. I can tell you that I have three live oak trees. I have six or seven magnolia trees, I believe. And I have my garden. But there's so many little things that grow in my yard because grass grows weird in Florida. And we live in a neighborhood that has an HOA, which is the Homeowners Association for anyone that is not familiar. Like there are rules that we have to follow living in our neighborhood. And having grass is one of those rules. I don't know about the backyard, but I eventually want to, you know, um, change it up and just throw a bunch of native plants in my backyard and let them grow. I don't know how well the HOA will handle that, but I don't really care. (laughs) 
So I've been trying to be more mindful of learning about the things in my yard. I mean, all of the the oak trees in this part of Florida are protected. And when I first moved here, everyone just called them grandfather oaks. And I didn't know why. I, I had no idea why. But I learned that this particular oak tree is a live oak tree. And if I'm not mistaken, they are called grandfather oaks because they can live for hundreds of years. I think the oldest one can live up to like 500 years old. So they're called grandfather oaks because they're old. They are gorgeous trees, by the way. I'll, I probably have some pictures up on Instagram. Um, and if you're subscribed to my newsletter, I will be sure to include some pictures there too. But I learned that they are live oak trees. I learned that the moss that hangs from them is called Spanish moss. And it is not a parasite like a lot of people think. It doesn't take nutrients from the tree. It actually gets nutrients just from the sun and from the air and from the water, like rainwater and stuff. And these trees are everywhere. The one that I have in my backyard is a mature live oak tree. It's very, very big. And then um, when they built the house, they planted two more, I believe, in the front yard. So those ones are smaller. Then they planted magnolia trees when they built the house, and those are also smaller. They are uh, juvenile trees, I guess. I'm not sure. Uh, And I learned about magnolia trees, too. One thing that took some adjusting to living here in Florida is that depending on the time of year or even sometimes the area that you live in, it's not safe for you to walk outside in your grass barefoot. And that kills me, honestly, because I hate wearing shoes. If I could go everywhere without shoes safely, I probably would because shoes are just restricting. I don't even like socks. But yeah, it's because, at least for me in my yard, it's because there are these particular types of weeds that grow during, um, like during the summer, during the winter into spring, not during the summer, um, that are spindly and very, very pokey and they're hard to see. And I have stepped on a few of them without shoes on and they hurt. Like, they hurt so bad. But also, the fire ants. Those fire ants will eat your feet up in a heartbeat. And they're everywhere. So I I have to be careful going out into my backyard without shoes on. I have to pay very special attention to where I walk. And I am afraid to sit in my own grass because I... <laughs> I don't want to accidentally sit on an ant pile that I can't see. That would suck. But that's one of the things that I, I've i learned living here. And in my experience, as someone who didn't grow up and has had to learn how to make these types of connections with wherever I live, learning bits and pieces over time is just as valid as learning massive chunks of information all at once. And so for me, sometimes I feel the connection to my land. Sometimes, if I'm quiet enough, 
And if I pay enough attention, the spirits of the land are there, like on on the peripheral of my my vision, so to speak. It's like a a tiny tingling sensation when I pay close enough attention that they're there. And this is a contrast to the apartment we lived in when we first moved here, because there, when I sat in stillness and I reached out and um, made my introductions and left offerings, it was not a, a tingling sensation of spirits on my peripheral. It was the spirit of that particular land up in my face telling me to leave it the hell alone, pretty much. Like, it was, um, not, not necessarily aggressive, but it was very assertive in letting me know that it did not care to know me. It, it, it didn't care. (laughs) Like, I don't even know, I don't even know much about it, but that particular area that we lived in was also very damaged um, very run down, very poverty stricken, not just the people, but the land itself. So it makes a lot of sense why that particular area, um, the spirits in that area didn't really want to say hello. So it's definitely a contrast, um, living where I live now, where there's not a lot of spirit activity of the land spirits like sometimes I can sit in my room or um, sit on the patio in stillness and reach out and get like a a hint of the spirit in the tree and it's almost like (laughs) it's almost like that particular spirit is very shy and that's not something I've ever encountered before and it's honestly, it's never something I've said out loud either. So I'm sitting here thinking like, oh my goodness, I sound, <sighs> what do I sound like? But anyway, um, all of that to say, I guess that that's, this is all just like my own experiences. And I have some tips. I didn't want to leave this episode just to be like a bunch of rambly nonsense about me growing up and not being connected to the land and not being able to sense the spirits where I lived and as a kid or even as a young adult not really caring because I had to care about other things. So I have some tips. These are all things that I'm actively doing. Um, So it's not like, you know, here's all of these things that I found on the internet that I'm just going to tell you and I've never done them before. Um, These are all things that I'm actively doing and they may work for you. They might not. I know I have spoken with Christine Grace um, in that particular podcast episode a couple episodes back where we talked about her new book, uh, The Witch of the Forest Edge. But she gives some tips in that episode about growing a connection with the land that you live on if you live in a city. I live in a more suburb area, so I don't really have tips for city living right now. But what I what I do have is very basic, very general that I feel like everyone can do. So I am just going to go down my little list and talk about them. And so the first little tip that I have is to start in your own backyard or your balcony or wherever. If I get the idea that I want to look up native plants or animals in my entire state, 
Let me tell you, I've done that before and it's entirely overwhelming and it makes me shut down and it makes me stop and not want to keep doing it because there's just so much information. So instead of looking up everything for my state, I started in my backyard with the trees in my area, the live oak trees, the magnolia trees that are in my yard. Um, There is a ground cover that grows in my grass that I have since learned is a type of clover that's native to Florida. There are these birds that I I don't know what they're called. Um, I forget, but they're really tall and like four feet tall. And they look like very scary birds. <laughs> I, I don't like birds. They, they freak me out. But anyway, they are tall and they walk around. They're native to this area. They're actually protected by the state. And like you can't mess with them or you'll get in big trouble. And they're everywhere. Um, we also have bats in the area. There is an owl that has made its home in one of the trees over here by my house. Um, there's even, I've seen eagles in my tree. So start in your backyard and pick one thing. If it's a plant, take a picture of it. Look it up. Uh, there's an app that I use called Seek by iNaturalist that is really helpful for me. And I've talked about it before on my YouTube channel. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but it's it basically uses artificial intelligence to scan whatever you're looking at through your camera and try to find a match based on what the AI can pick up and your location. So I'll leave a link to that in the show notes because it's really helpful. It's free. Obviously, it's not something that you want to trust fully because it is AI. So please don't, you know, use it and it says that something that you're looking at is an edible plant, please don't eat things that you don't know what they are. (laughs) That's a really, really surefire way to get yourself hurt. Um, But anyway, after you've started in your own backyard, don't overwhelm yourself. Learn one thing a day or even one thing a week. Pick one plant, learn about it, its, its habitat, its preferred climate, how it grows, its root system, does it flower, does it require, um, what am I trying to say? How does it reproduce? That's what I'm trying to say. How does it reproduce? What types of animals make that particular plant its habitat or what type of animal eats that plant? Learn one thing every day or week or whenever you can. And then in, in this whole process, make your introductions Sit in stillness and ground yourself and say hello. Hi, my name is Megan. This is my home now. I live here. I enjoy crochet and witchcraft and I would like to get to know you if you are open to it and see what happens. Do you feel spirits on the peripheral of your witchy vision? Do you not? Leave offerings. Don't just come to a spirit's home empty-handed. That's not polite. Leave them offerings, uh, depending on what it is. You know, fresh water or um, a couple apple slices or whatever else that is safe to leave out that's not going to hurt any wildlife in the area. Even a hug. I'm a tree hugger. I, I give my tree a hug. And yes, it feels very strange to do at first, and it feels even stranger to say, trust me. But (laughs) give the spirits and, and 
the plants and stuff in your area, just give them attention and get to know them. On the other side of that, learn about the larger climate and the ecological systems in your area. What gardening zone are you in? Are you in the path of hurricanes? What's the weather like? I have since learned in my area that seasonal shifts are ushered in by fog. And I know I've talked about this before because it's it's new to me. Um, where I'm from, we had fog like all winter long. But here, those seasonal shifts are ushered in by maybe like a week of fog and then the fog dissipates. Then when the season is getting ready to shift again, the fog comes back. And it's been a very surreal experience and very symbolic, I think, of the liminality of the time between seasons to be ushered in by a liminal element such as fog. And in all of your research, in all of your learning that you're doing, don't discredit scientific sources of information and don't just reach for witchcraft or occult books. Because I can pick up a book um, on herbs and witchcraft, but it's not going to tell me what I need to know about the plants in my area. It's not going to tell me scientific names. It's not going to tell me how they grow or what type of soil they prefer or how much sunlight they need. Those things are important to cultivating relationship in my experience. Because it's the same type of thing where if you are speaking with a friend, you don't want to know what that friend is good for, what that friend can do for you, right? That's not really a friendship. That's not a relationship. Instead, you want to know how you can help support that person and how that person can help support you. And in order to do that, you need to know what that person is like. What things do they dislike? What's their favorite color? What type of food brings them comfort? What type of music do they absolutely hate? You know, those are the ideas that I like to run with when it comes to building relationship with the spirits in my area. It's not a one-way street. I don't look at them for what they can offer me and what they can do for me. For me, that's not the point. And when you're going through and doing this and growing your connection, keep a record. Journal about it, write it in your book of shadows or however you want to do it, but keep a record of it. Over time, if they are a spirit or a plant that you work closely with, they'll become familiar to you and you won't have to reference any records. But keep a record of how you feel connecting to your land over time. Because at first, you might be like me. Like, I don't feel a connection at all. There's nothing. I can't feel it. But then over time, walking outside feeling like this tingling sensation at the peripherals of my witchy vision, that's progress. And if I didn't keep a record or a memory of what it was like when I started, I might miss that progress. I might brush it off as, oh, I'm still, you know, there's still nothing. But progress is something. And don't get discouraged if it doesn't work right away. Because like I just said, Progress is progress, even if it's the tiniest step forward. Don't get discouraged if it doesn't work right away. And don't get discouraged if the spirits of the land you live on want nothing to do with you. That is well within their right to do so. And 
they don't have to agree to work with you. They don't have to agree to even say hello to you. They are beings in their own right, and they have autonomy. So don't get discouraged. And don't overwhelm yourself trying to do too many things at once. Trust me, take that from my personal experience. Only take on what you can handle. You have time. It's okay. And don't forget that you're not outside of nature. You're part of it. All right. So as we move into the new month, as we move into February, let's pull our tarot card. Last month, I pulled the Hierophant for our card of January, and it really fit in with the subject at the time, speaking about how I think we do a disservice to beginners in our community. And I don't know about you, but it really shed light on a few other things that I needed to think about. And coupled with uh, the Hanged Man in reverse that I pulled for my own yearly reading, it was an interesting month. <laughs> so let's shuffle the deck and pull a new card for February. And this month I am pulling from my Somnia Tarot. I've done a video walkthrough of this particular deck on YouTube if you're interested in seeing it. It is by a photographer named Nicholas Bruno. So let's go ahead and shuffle. All right, and this month, we are faced with the Seven of Cups. And the Seven of Cups in this particular deck is a masculine appearing person staring out into an ocean or a large body of water. We can't see their face, we just see the back of their head. And in front of them hang seven buckets, and each bucket has something else in it. There is a bucket of water, fire, a growing plant, an obscured face, clouds, coins, and what looks like books. So for the month of February, really think about all the options in front of you. Are you uh, approaching a crossroads? Do you have many choices for a particular situation you're in? Or maybe on the flip side, you wish things were different and you're stuck in an illusion or a fantasy of how you want things to be instead of how they actually are. What sort of things are poking themselves out of the buckets for you? Those are your choices. Are you going to face the situation and make a choice? Or are you going to continue to be stuck in an illusion, a fantasy, getting trapped in the cycle of wishful thinking? Thank you so much for joining me here around the cauldron for this episode to chat about um, my connection with the land and how it's been a hell of a time. <laughs> if you would like to support the show, there are several ways you can do so. You can join me on Patreon at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron for as little as a dollar a month. My Patreon is on a sliding scale and everyone gets access to the same thing no matter your tier. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen. You can even subscribe to the podcast by subscribing to my YouTube channel, where I also post the audio versions of these episodes. Make sure you leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, if that particular podcast platform lets you. Spotify, by the way, now lets you leave reviews. 
I would love it so, so much if you could leave me five stars if you enjoy the show and let me know what your favorite part of the show is. And lastly, if you can't support monetarily and you don't want to leave a review, that's okay. You can always help support the show by sharing it with your friends, sharing it on social media, and letting people know that you enjoy it. If you share about my podcast or my YouTube channel on social media, be sure to tag me so I can see it and share it too. And until next time, stay magical, have a wonderful month of February, and I'll talk to you soon.